Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Good morning and welcome to the Portland Center for Spiritual Living. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you're most welcome here. All that we ask, it's something simple, that if you're up for changing your entire life, you have to be willing to change your mind. I'm Reverend Larry King. I'm the senior minister here at the center. Last month, you might remember we used some of New Thought's most prominent authors to help us achieve personal success in our lives. We covered a number of spiritual principles and practices really designed to bring success, to foster success for us in any area of our lives that we chose. However, you'll also remember last week, we talked about a couple gotchas. We talked about a couple of the reasons why we might not be as successful as we could be. And one of the the high reasons on our list, if you'll remember, chief among these reasons are our habits. And chief among our negative habits is the habit of fear. Now, we often think of fear as an emotion rather than a habit, but I direct any of us to think back perhaps on 9-11 and uh, just climate of fear that was in our country. Some of us are feeling that fear or, or that sense of dread with the pandemic sweeping across the world right now. So there can be, as well as an emotion of fear, there can be a habit of it, a climate of it, in which we feel ourselves immersed. Well, anytime through whatever kind of habit our heart becomes closed, of course, that is going to have that uh, action of keeping our good from us. It is through the open heart that we receive our good. And when our heart is closed due to fear or victimhood, due to feelings of lack, or that sense of just not knowing what to do, that sense of dread of what tomorrow may bring, sadly, it limits our possibilities. It limits our ability to use spiritual principles to create a better life. So this month, we're going to be using Pima Chodron's book, Taking the Leap for Inspiration. This book was designed to free us from unwanted habits, to free us from our attachments to fear, lack, and victimhood. And I wanted to just read a tiny bit from the, oh my gosh, the print is very small, uh, but I wanted to read you just a, a little bit from the dust jacket here. Ever feel trapped in the same old habits and painful emotions time and time again? These patterns that we all face, sometimes they feel impossible to shake. So how can we get unstuck? Drawing on time-honored Buddhist teachings on Shempa, all of the attachments and compulsions that cause us suffering, Pima Chodron shows us how certain habits of mind tend to hook us and get us stuck in states of anger, blame, self-hatred, addiction, and so many other negative emotions. Pima shares insights and exercises from her lifetime of practice that we can immediately put to use to take a bold leap towards a new way of being, one that will bring about positive transformations for ourselves as well as the entire world. 
So that's where we're headed this month, and I, I think it's uh, just the antidote to some of the things that are plaguing us both out in the world and the heaviness that we're feeling in our hearts. So where do I want to start today? Uh, you may have noticed that the talk title today is Feeding the Right Wolf, and so I better wade right in and explain that up. What's this about feeding wolves? It sounds like a, a dangerous proposition, right? Well, this comes from a, a story, a story of a Native American gentleman and his son that was fairly widely circulated shortly after the tragedy of 9-11 when the Twin Towers were brought down by terrorists. And and the, the story is that they were watching the news and, uh, and a grandson asked his Native American father, what was going on? How could the world be so cruel? How could people treat each other with such disregard? How, how could something like terrorism even exist in the world? And his grandfather had to think about this. Being Native American, of course, great injustices had been done to the grandfather's family and, and uh, lineage. And he had to really think about it for a moment. Was there a justification in terrorism? Is there a proper a violent reaction when things uh, are not as they should be? Well, after much thought, he told the youngster, it's like having two wolves fighting for control of his heart. And one wolf was compassionate, thoughtful, caring. One wolf was willing to not only see for the safety of his own pack, but for all living beings. One wolf willing to forgive others. One wolf always willing to extend compassion and friendship to others. But the other wolf was reactive and hurtful. The other wolf saw trauma in the world and thought it was appropriate to lash out. This wolf wanted revenge. This wolf wanted to, uh, to be made right in the world and to, to see that indignities and wrongs done to it would be avenged. Well, the grandchild asked grandfather which wolf would win in control of, of grandfather's heart. And the grandfather said, the wolf that I feed. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Each of us within us has both the capability of great compassion, the, the ability to have an open heart and collaborate with others to bring about lasting change in the world. And right inside us as well is that angry wolf that wants to lash out at injustice. The angry wolf that is slow to forgive and, and quick to wishing even violence in order to prove a point or to become victorious. And so today we're going to talk about feeding the right wolf. We're going to be talking about feeding that wolf of compassion, that wolf of possibility, that wolf of thoughtfulness and caring. And we're going to be taking this Buddhist tradition to walk through it. You know, another place, though, I want to start is with a joke. 
And uh, I, I thought I would do something. Uh, well, I hope you'll enjoy it this month. Many of you are aware that one of my folk heroes is Mullah Nasruddin. The fool as a wise person is a figure in many of our religious and wisdom traditions. Now, the great holy fool from the Muslim Sufi tradition is Mullah Nasruddin. And so throughout June, I'll be featuring a Mullah Nasruddin story each week. Honestly, they're some of my favorites, and I hope you'll enjoy them as much as I do. So this week's story comes after an invading army had subjugated Nasruddin's small town in what would later become modern-day Turkey. One of the new conquerors was riding by in a fine carriage and spotted Nasruddin in his simple sandals and a worn jacket. He leaned out of the carriage to talk with Nasruddin. You there, what's a slave worth in this town? If I were a slave, how much would I be worth? Well, Mullah Nasruddin eyed the rich man in his fine carriage and resplendent robes. Five hundred dollars, Nasruddin responded. What? The conqueror shouted. What a fool! Why, just the clothes I'm wearing right now are worth at least five hundred dollars. I know, replied Nasruddin. The cost of the clothes was factored in. And so, of course, the question that this story offers up is how do we judge things? Do we judge by appearances? Do we judge by the outer part of people? Or are we willing to go to that inner journey? Are we willing to feed the right wolf, the wolf of compassion, the wolf that is willing to forgive, the wolf that is willing to, to see beyond the color of our skin, the clothes we wear, the neighborhoods that we were brought up in? How might we approach equanimity truly for all? Well, feeding the good wolf, according to Pima Chodron, we have to, we have to align ourselves with three human qualities. And she claims, and I think it's true, that all three of these qualities exist in all of us. It's just the degree to which they're expressed. The first quality that she talks about is natural warmth. And this is the part of the good wolf that we feed that allows compassion, that, that warmth of our character, that willingness to, to help other people, to collaborate with other people, the willingness for us to perhaps even to go out of our way to see another point of view the willingness to nurture the people around us, and not only just the, the members of our own family, but to nurture others perhaps less fortunate or people who have been sidelined or, or whose voice is not being heard. This natural voice means the desire to have companionship and love not only for our family but for all peoples. And the Nazruddin story, of course, is highlighting the absence of natural warmth when we may treat people as though they were slaves, when we may treat other people with disregard to their own humanity. And so how can we feed that wolf? Well, of course, it does require getting out of our comfort zone. We're used to being extra kind, extra compassionate to the people who are like us, to the people in our families and in our close-by communities. And so it does require us in feeding this part of the good wolf to step outside our comfort zones, to notice that other people are hurting and can use a helping hand, to make sure that we include in our efforts at collaboration people who aren't just like us, but the full spectrum of voices to be heard. 
That's how we feed the good wolf in terms of natural warmth. The next characteristic, the human characteristic that Pima Chodron says becomes this element of the good wolf is our natural openness. And have you ever noticed that children are just totally fearless about asking questions? You know, that natural curiosity that young children see are the key to this idea of our human natural openness. The idea of being open is not only to be open to new opinions and new ways of being, uh, but that natural curiosity of wanting to find out more about other people and interest in knowing how other people live and their situation and interest in, in world politics and uh, the safety of the world as well as just what's going on in your own home or your own town. It is that natural openness of spaces, too, the willingness to take a pause. And in fact, for many pages in the first chapter of this book, Pima Chodron talks about the necessity for taking that pause, that openness even in our ideas, so that when we're faced with a strong emotion or when something happens that just doesn't feel right, we don't immediately lash out or, or act out. Instead, we have an openness even around our emotions. You know, what am I feeling right now? Is it helpful? Is it appropriate? Is it something that I want to endorse? Or is it something that I want to have second thoughts about? Is there that openness in my own thinking process that will allow me to take that pause? I can still remember uh, when I was a kid, from the very earliest ages, I, I know I was a pretty active kid and not always very obedient or thoughtful. And I remember my mom uh, got into the habit of holding up a finger. And, and what I knew when she would hold up her index finger was I was supposed to count to 10. <laughs> and you know what? I think Pima children would have approved of that approach, except maybe not for children, maybe for adults. Before we respond in anger or indignation, before we, we lash out at someone, and when I say lash out, I don't necessarily even mean in some physical or negative way, but lashing out just with our tongue to, to refute what someone has said or to deny someone else's voice. Uh, here is where I think Pima children would, would put the finger up, so to speak, and say maybe an openness is is required here, an openness to hearing the other opinion, a literal openness in the dialogue to pause and to think about how I want to respond. Do I want to feed the good wolf? Do I want to have compassion for someone else's opinion? Am I willingness to be curious, that openness of curiosity, to really listen and find out what's going on with the other person? If I need to mount a defense, I always have the time to do that later on. But it may be difficult to take back words spoken in haste, actions taken when our emotions are high. And so taking that pause, allowing the openness for a different opinion, a different way of being, makes all the difference. That is one of the ways that we feed the good wolf. 
Well, the last quality of humanity that Pima Chodron talks about, she talks about the idea of natural intelligence. Now, a lot of times we don't always feel very naturally intelligent, do we? Especially when we're put on the spot, especially when we're asked at the spur of the moment what our, what our beliefs are, or, or maybe we're in a position where someone has said the most outrageous thing and we're expected to respond in some intelligent way. Have you ever in your own mind replayed a conversation like the next day or the next week or maybe a year later and said to yourself, oh my God, if only I had thought through this, if only I had been smart enough in that moment to have said the the intelligent thing, the smart thing. Well, this idea of natural intelligence that Pima Chodron is talking about simply illustrates that if we back away from our strong emotions, from being stuck, from being in a reactive mode, then our natural intelligence is available to us. When we're not feeling the victim, when we're not in that mode of being angry as a reaction, she says that natural intelligence will be ours that we will have that ability to to puzzle through any kind of difficult situation and come up with an answer that is intelligent, that is powerful. It only requires us to put aside perhaps a negative reaction, a negative first reaction, and allow our natural intelligence to provide us with an answer. Well, I put this in my own life to the test the other day. We're seeing that Americans in general are no longer willing to see our African-American brothers and sisters subjugated, that uncalled for police violence is up for healing right now, and the notice of disparity between black lives and white lives exists. And so I thought to myself, Pima, if you're right, let me put some of my natural intelligence to this issue. You know, what can I do to be a white ally? Not just to be one in my philosophy, but how can I actually take steps to be a white ally? Well, one of the things that was up for me, or one of the things that I had noticed and wanted to do a little research was the disparity between black incomes and white incomes. If I had an audience of people here, I would ask you to raise your hands and tell me if you can guess the percentage difference between the net worth of an average white family and an average black family in America right now. I'm just going to imagine. I know a hand would come up and say, well, I bet white people have a, a net worth 25% higher than a black family. So, so I'd be shaking my head, no, that's not quite it. And then another hand would pop up and someone would say, is it as much as 50%? Does the average white family have 50% more net worth than the average black family? I wish I could start nodding. The numbers are stunning. This was an update simply from uh, earlier this year in February. They did a, a, an economic survey of black and white families. The average white family in America has a net worth that is 10 times higher than the average black family. And so this was swirling around in my head. Well, of course, 
Of course we should object to that. Of course, to feed the good wolf, I want to use not only my compassion, not only that natural warmth and openness, but also my intelligence. And so I put myself to the task. What could I begin to do to shift some of the wealth of America into this less served population, into this uh, group of, of people and families, my neighbors, literally, that in general are so oppressed. It occurred to me that literally where I spend my money should be where my heart goes. And right now, in the midst of this global pandemic, of course, I'm getting tired of my own cooking. The restaurants here in Portland, Oregon, have been closed for everything but takeout now for months. And it occurred to me, am I even using my dollars to make sure that the minority-owned restaurants are active and vibrant and will continue in this town? And I had to acknowledge, not so much. And so with uh, only a little bit of using this natural intelligence in me, I managed to find lists of minority-owned restaurants, especially the, the featured African-American-owned restaurants in town. There was even an article towards the end of last year really highlighting some of the amazing and delicious and, uh, and caring minority-owned restaurants. They, they had sponsored sort of a progressive dinner, inviting people to go to a variety of different restaurants. And so I bookmarked those, those web pages. In fact, if you go to cslportland.org and look under our social justice page, you'll see that I captured that, hoping other people will take advantage of this as well. You see, it is through the small kindnesses, that, that feeding the natural warmth, that, that using our natural openness and curiosity. It is the natural intelligence that comes to bear when truly we wish to be helpful, when we wish to collaborate, when we wish to make a difference, not, not acting out of fear and not in our old habits. You noticed uh, part of my solution here, at least for me, a way to start out in shifting some of my interests come over to the minority community, part of that is me shifting out of my patterns. Part of that is me being willing to put my money where my mouth is. I'll summarize today what we've learned. We've talked about our negative mental habits. We've talked about how they can hold us back and hold, in fact, the universe back when we're feeding that angry wolf, when we're feeding the wolf of negativity, when we're feeding the wolf that inappropriately sees people not like ourselves as the enemy or, or someone that needs to be protected against. And instead, we've learned some of the three ways, the three main ways that we can use our, our natural capabilities as humans to feed the right wolf. We'll use our natural warmth, that idea of love, that idea of willingness to extend our hand in friendship. We'll use that compassion and that collaborative nature that's in all humans to feed the wolf in that way. We're also going to use our natural openness, our natural curiosity. How do different people live differently? Are they in economic trouble, as we've seen with the, uh, the average black family in America right now? 
You know, what can we do to be open and find out the truth about what's going on in our world? And then, and then finally, the, the third of these good wolf qualities, our natural intelligence. When we put aside our, our fears, when we put aside some of our habits, we can allow our natural intelligence to come up with ways to make a difference in the world onto homework. You knew there'd be a bit of homework. Pick a problem that you are facing or maybe that the world is facing. You can start small, maybe a problem just going on right now in your own family. And then what I'd like you to do is consciously feed the right wolf. Use your natural openness, your natural warmth, and your natural intelligence to overcome the status quo. So, so right now, the reason you're facing some kind of a problem is that people are stuck in their old habits. And so let you be the first one to put aside maybe some of your current thoughts, some of your current ways of being, and support the good wolf that wishes to collaborate. Support the good wolf that extends the hand once again in friendship and in compassion. Be the good wolf who's willing to, to allow for that openness of the pause and not be reactive. So that's your homework for this week. I'm going to close today with a quote from Pima Chodron and a prayer. So this is uh, how she closes this chapter called Feeding the Right Wolf. She says to honestly face the pain in our lives and the problems in the world, let's start by looking compassionately and honestly at our own minds. We can become intimate with the mind of hatred, the mind that polarizes, the mind that makes everyone else the other. We come to know unflinchingly and with great kindness the angry, unforgiving, hostile wolf. And instead, over time, that part of ourselves becomes familiar, but we no longer feed it. Instead, we make the choice to nurture openness, intelligence, and warmth. This choice and the attitudes and actions that follow from it are like a medicine that has the potential to end all suffering. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life, one consciousness. There's only this one thing that I, I choose to call God. And what I know about God is that it is every good thing. It is love. It is abundance. It is joy. It is peace. It is wholeness. It is beauty. It is life itself. And because it is all these things and everywhere present, I know those same qualities of God are available to me. That my connection to spirit allows me to access these qualities of the good wolf always. And so I make choices based on compassion and warmth. I make choices based on that openness and taking the time to really consider what comes out of my mouth and the choices that I make. I use my native intelligence, my natural intelligence, to make choices that not only benefit me, but benefit humankind, that allow me to move beyond some of the habits that just support the status quo and change my life 
in ways that benefit everybody, especially reaching out a hand to the disenfranchised, the people who have been left behind, the people whose voices so desperately wish to be heard. And so for this knowledge and this ability to feed the good wolf, I give great thanks. I recognize in gratitude that the world changes as I change myself. And so I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.